Around where I come from, the word revival is used differently than what I'm used to using it and what used to be the proper definition of the word. Uh, in, in this area where I live, uh, the churches get together and they have revivals every fall. And, you know, they trade choirs and they have several nights in a row of meetings and they trade uh, preachers. And that's called revival. Hey, y'all, we're having revival this week, so y'all come. You know, that's the way it is. But that's not what I mean by revival. It's not what the word used to mean. That's more of a an added-on definition of the word. So uh, that's why I've created another expression, revival tides, to refer to what God originally did, and we called it revival. They are times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord according to the promise of Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It's right there, the presence of the Lord. And he's, it, it's a divine strategy where God advances the kingdom of God his way. So he, he, his thoughts are different from our thoughts. And so the problem we have is <clears throat> we tend to impose our way of doing things on his thoughts, and we come up with a hybrid. Um, but God still has his way, and he's looking for people who will listen to him and do it his way and cooperate with him in his way, being by my spirit kinds of people rather than... Uh, power and might. We've talked about this quite a bit. Constantine came along after several centuries. His intentions were, I'm sure, very good. Uh, he saw that the Roman Empire could do a favor for the church, stop persecuting the church, and, and adopt the, the, the Christian religion as the official religion of the Roman Empire. And at the same time, on the other hand, it would be good for Constantine because he needed a religion to unite the Roman Empire under his leadership. So it was a mutual give and take. Seemed like everybody was winning. The only problem was it was not God's way. And so using the power and the wealth and the might and the influence of the Roman Empire to bring Christianity all over the world seemed like a good idea to Constantine. But Jesus had stood before Pilate and said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so it's not going to use power and might and worldly wealth to advance the kingdom of God. But God allowed this plan that I call power and might Christianity to keep on going and to uh, wear itself out, shall we say. Um, and at the proper time, he reintroduced his by my spirit ways. And that's where we get revival tides. So revival tides began in Scotland, uh, particularly in Strathclyde. Uh, it's a part of Scotland that we've seen before in uh, our history of the ancient Celtic church. But right there is where he picked up and reintroduced by my spirit Christianity, and we have revival tides. And so these are 
outpourings of the presence. Prosopom is the Greek word for presence. You see it in Acts 3.19, if you get a good translation. Unfortunately, a lot of the translations leave out the word. And, and uh, you know, uh, don't get me started on translators and the liberties they take with the translations. But anyway, the presence of God, the presence of the king, is the key feature in all revivals. And it's the strategy of the king coming every roughly 50 years. I talked about this last month. Uh, roughly every 50 years, so that in 500 years since the first one, there have been 10 major revival tides, some 40 years apart, some 60 years apart, but on the average, 50 years apart. And, and there are strategy of God. It's a, it's a divine thought that he announced beforehand, and sure enough, we look at our history and we see that's exactly what has happened. So what he wants to do is awaken. He, he, he told parables about the church is going to wake up, you know, and, and that's what's happening and we call them spiritual awakenings. And then as he finds leaders who know how to cooperate with him and do it his way and listen to his heart instead of going half-cocked off and saying, I've got the plan, you know, and I'm going to build a church and I'm going to have Sunday services and I'm going to be the greatest preacher that ever was and I'm going to have all these people coming to my church and they're going to listen to me on Sunday morning and all, you know this, you know the bit. But we can listen to God and adopt his ways and his plan, and it's all in the Word. If, if we would just take the Word more seriously, it's all in the Word. And so what we have is the presence coming back uh, time and time again, uh, perennially, seasons of his presence, and then finding people who know how to cooperate with that, know how to flow in the river, uh, know how to be by my spirit people, kingdom citizens, not just church members. It's not just a religion, it's a kingdom. You see what I'm saying? And so he finds people like that and they can cooperate with him and pretty soon you've got not just a revival, but you've got a great awakening. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we're hoping for in this time. Um, there's just more to Christianity than building a church and having people come to it. And so, I believe that on February 8th, we entered into the next revival tide. And the significance of this is that every revival tide has been bigger than the last one. Um, you see this in Scotland where they started. You know, it started in Strathclyde, 50 years later, here comes another revival tide. It spreads into the north. It spreads into many places in Scotland where it had not been the first time. In 1638, you have uh, another revival tide. This is a whole national covenant that uh, the people of Scotland from south to north, all of them, are making a national covenant with Jesus because his presence has become so powerful. And, and, and then that whole revival 
uh, way, that, that whole way of his presence coming periodically and raising up a new generation, it crosses the Atlantic Ocean and then it, it starts in 1735 in Massachusetts and becomes the Great Awakening, but only in the northern colonies. And then pretty soon you have the second Great Awakening, it spreads into the south. And then it spreads west in the next one. And, and it begins to go international. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's not just that somebody was a really effective preacher. It wasn't that somebody started a really great church. It's a, it's a divine plan. And once it gets started in a place, it grows. It just grows. It, it spreads and grows by divine power and presence. And the king becomes the king of the nations. We see him as he's not as small as we thought. And this is what is so exciting about our season of the year, uh, of the uh, years, uh, the centuries, the, the history of the Western world and the whole world. Let me read to you in conclusion just uh, a, a a prophecy that was given by the English Pentecostal Smith Wigglesworth. Now, this was given for English people, but it really does apply to uh, an end-time revival that is to spread everywhere. And it's certainly what I believe we're seeing ever since February 8th here in this country, America. The United States is going to, I believe, have something like this very strongly happening here. So let me read this. During the next few decades, this is 1947 though, I'm, I'm four years old at this point. All right, during the next few decades, there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church in Great Britain. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it and it will be characterized by a restoration of the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we saw that in our country here in the United States. The charismatic movement, uh, the Jesus Revolution, um, Asbury Revival, 1970, you know, all kinds of things happened during those years. 1970 roughly was the, the year of that, uh, where it really broke out. Okay, the second move of the Holy Spirit will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. So we used to call this the third wave, you know, of vineyard churches. There's all kinds of movements there that God raised up. Um, and that, again, happened after the charismatic movement. And, uh, you know, that's in my lifetime. So the first two things that Smith Wigglesworth prophesied have already happened in my lifetime. So then what's the next thing? When the new church phase is on the wane, I would say that's right now, there will be evidenced in the churches something that has not been seen before, a coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and those with an emphasis on the spirit. Uh, so what he's saying is the spirit, Spirit churches are going to become word churches. The word churches are going to become spirit churches. The, the, the coming together of these two great streams will betoken the next revival. 
When the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest movement of the Holy Spirit that the nation and indeed the world has ever seen. And he goes on from there. But that you get the idea that he is telling us that the next revival tide is going to be truly global. And it's going to be characterized by the Word and the Spirit coming together. And I believe we just need to listen to this and uh, learn how to cooperate with what God is saying to us today. That means not sticking with um, necessarily the traditions of the past, even if they're Pentecostal traditions, um, but to, to look at what new thing God is doing. The reason why I'm saying the next revival tide began on February 8th, that was the, that was the year or that was the date of the uh, Asbury revival. And Asbury has been a bellwether for each of the uh, great revival tides of the last three. In other words, uh, for the last century and a half, you can look at Asbury and what happened in Hughes Chapel of Asbury College, and you find that um, it, it always reflects God's plan for the country and the world. It's amazing how Asbury has has been a bellwether. And so um, I'm saying it's, it's really important that we realize that God is up to something right now this year and that we listen and we pay attention to the fact that we are on the front end of a major revival tide. So this is why I'm uh, excited about the book that I'm coming out with right now. I'm, um, I'm, I'm delighted that it's on Amazon now, although they're just taking pre-orders. Um, I don't think it's going to be available uh, on um, just publicly uh, until a little bit later, maybe the end of May. Um, it can be pre-ordered. But if you're in my area, I'm going to be doing author events in which I'm uh, sh uh, selling this and signing copies. You know, that's the tradition. And uh, I'll be signing copies and giving just a little uh, of an inspirational talk at these events. And I'm, if you're in my area here in the Richmond, Williamsburg region, um, I want you to know that you're invited to these events. I'll try to get the dates and the times out to you, um, um, even if it's between my regular newsletter times. And, uh, and, and I'm eager to get this into your hands because it gives the whole history of the revival tides and you'll be able to understand how important it is that we are just entering into the next one right now. So I think God has, has asked me to share this with you and uh, really with the whole world. So we'll see what happens. Okay.